Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Who's the big guy? Well, we already know the answer to that. It's Joe Biden. But a Delaware grand jury wanted to hear it for the record, so the question was recently asked behind closed doors of a witness who has intimate knowledge of the influence peddling schemes that Hunter Biden was running, scams that implicate his father, the current president. The grand jury was shown a critical piece of evidence in the form of an email. It was penned by one of Hunter's business partners. In it, the big guy, a.k.a. Joe Biden, was poised to get a 10% cut of a lucrative deal the son struck with an energy company that just happened to be controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Hunter would hold his father's shares to keep dear old dad's name off the books. That clever maneuver allowed Joe to maintain plausible deniability, as his brother Jim Biden later bragged to another of Hunter's partners. The incriminating evidence was first reported by the New York Post in October of 2020, but the hyper-partisan media suppressed that story by falsely claiming that it was all Russian disinformation. Big tech companies like Facebook and Twitter, they eagerly joined the cover-up by censoring the Post's reporting and anyone who dared to repeat it. Now, with a potential indictment of Hunter Biden looming, those same journalists who scuttled the truth are rushing to catch up with it. In doing so, they're propagating a brand new lie to wit The son may have committed crimes, but his father was never involved. That is another shameful act of media malpractice and political activism. Let's be clear. There is a plethora of evidence that Joe Biden was complicit in his son's corrupt schemes. The elder Biden not only knew what his son was doing, but stood to gain financially. Indeed, there's persuasive evidence that some of the millions of dollars that Hunter raked in also lined Joe's pockets. To ensure that the current investigation is not as corrupt as the Bidens, a special counsel must be named to guard the legal process from wanton presidential interference. As a political appointee, Attorney General Merrick Garland cannot be trusted to keep his foot off the scales of justice. If Joe Biden wants to get out of the criminal quagmire he and his family created, he can always pardon his son, Hunter, and himself, and then resign in disgrace. But he's not going to do that, because as long as the unscrupulous press maintains its Biden protection racket, Joe will continue to embrace the mantle of innocence. He'll insist he was clueless. Well, being clueless is about the only thing Joe Biden is good at. 
attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. So if you have $50,000 or more in your IRA, 401k, or savings, your money is at risk. Learn how you can protect it with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767, and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. The corrupt mainstream media spent three years telling Americans that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. He didn't. Undeterred by their own humiliation, journalists then spent 17 long months insisting that Hunter Biden's laptop was fake. It wasn't. In both cases, prominent members of the press squandered their credibility and their trust. Even worse, they've never had the courage or decency to apologize to the public for deliberately misleading Americans with their politically driven lies. Instead, they doubled down with even more dishonesty by insisting that Joe Biden was not at all involved in his son's shakedown schemes that netted Hunter millions of dollars by selling influence to foreign companies and foreign governments. Last week, the Washington Post finally reluctantly admitted that the Hunter Biden laptop was authentic and the damning documents on it were legitimate. But then the Post insisted, quote, it did not find evidence that Joe Biden personally benefited, end of quote. Right on cue, CNN declared, there is zero evidence that Joe Biden has done anything wrong in connection with what Hunter Biden has done. Really? Zero evidence? Did they fail to read the incriminating emails on the laptop that implicate President Joe Biden? Did they miss the public statements by Hutter's partner, who said that his father was instrumental in carrying out their foreign business scams in exchange for a cut of the profits? With an indictment of Hunter Biden, Increasingly likely, media organizations that resolutely declared the laptop was phony now grudgingly admit it wasn't. Yet they continue to defend Joe Biden with another false narrative that he was never complicit and stood nothing to gain financially. Forget the meetings and dinners he attended with his son's foreign investors, all of which are confirmed on the laptop emails. Forget the photographs of Joe posing with Hunter's nefarious partners. Forget the handsome 10% share the big guy was supposed to bank. 
forget the father and son trip to China aboard Air Force Two and the lucrative deal that Hunter cemented with a Chinese investment firm just days later. Reporters also seem to suffer from an acute case of amnesia about the pivotal role that Joe played in getting a Ukrainian prosecutor fired after he launched a corruption investigation of Hunter's company Burisma. Oh, and the millions of dollars the son bagged as a corporate board member of that very gas company. Also erased from their memories is the secret dinner that Hunter arranged for his father with the richest woman in Russia, Yelena Batarina, who funneled $3.5 million into an account controlled by Hunter. You'll find those damning details in an 87-page Senate report. What was that clandestine meeting about, and what was the money for? Well, the White House and Joe Biden still refused to say but it's worth noting that Batarina's name was conveniently left off the list of recently sanctioned oligarchs. Wow, it's good to have friends in high places. It was no coincidence that Joe Biden oversaw American policy in China, Ukraine, and Russia at the same time that his son was landing big paydays from those same countries. Hunter monetized his father's power and influence. News organizations that continue to protect the president in the face of compelling evidence of wrongdoing are not lacking in curiosity. Their conduct is more malevolent than that. Journalists are engaging in corrupt practices themselves in order to cover up acts of corruption by the Bidens. Hunter Biden's only marketable skill is being the son of a powerful U.S. government official, so he exploited his genetics. He became a prolific con man and a grifter who ran international influence peddling schemes when his father was vice president, selling access to his dad with promises of political benefits in exchange for millions of dollars paid by foreign corporations and governments. But if you ask the father, Joe Biden says, quote, Hunter is the smartest guy I know. He claims that everything his son did was ethical. During the presidential campaign, he told the nationwide audience that his son never made a dime from China. Well, last week, the White House said the president still stands by those statements. Well, a Delaware grand jury may see it differently. They've heard testimony from a string of Hunter Associates about the millions of dollars he copped from shady deals in China and Ukraine, not to mention Russia, Oman, Romania, Kazakhstan, even Luxembourg. A criminal indictment may turn on the incriminating evidence found on his infamous laptop, which the New York Post first disclosed in October of 2020, but the mainstream media dismissed as Russian disinformation in the weeks leading up to the election. It may very well be a Russian hack and dump operation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. That is Russian misinformation. This is a, quote, Russian disinformation operation. Appears to be and has all the hallmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Who do you think is behind this? 
Well, the Russians would be my number one guess. U.S. authorities are seeing if those emails we just talked about are connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Allegations of disinformation, dirty tricks, and a federal probe over Russian efforts to disparage Joe Biden. It was not Russian disinformation at all. That was a clever ruse by the biased media to shield Joe Biden before votes were cast. Journalists ran a candidate protection racket to help Biden defeat Donald Trump. Together with big tech, they buried the laptop story. They spread the cover-up narrative in its place, and it worked. Joe Biden was elected. Fast forward to the present. The New York Times, which previously ridiculed the laptop as fiction, suddenly had an epiphany. It published a story admitting that the laptop was legitimate, the damning material was authentic. The Times conceded that Hunter Biden could be charged with tax fraud, money laundering, and failure to register as a foreign agent. I'd add conspiracy and racketeering to the list, as well as crimes under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, specifically bribery. A week later, the Washington Post, which also mocked the laptop as fraudulent, reversed itself by admitting it was real. The newspaper validated nearly 22,000 emails on the laptop, but the Post went further. It put a lie to Joe Biden's claim that his son never made a dime from China. Evidence showed that Hunter banked almost $5 million in Chinese cash in a single deal, millions more from other foreign sources. All of this was obvious back in October of 2020 when the New York Post first reported on the laptop. It was also obvious that Joe Biden lied about it during the presidential debates. have been questions about the work your son has done in China and for a Ukrainian energy company when you were vice president. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. Not one single solitary thing was out of line. Not a single thing. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. Biden called the laptop story garbage. He claimed he never spoke with Hunter about his sleazy business dealings, knew nothing about them, never helped his son in any way, and never stood to profit from them personally. My son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I carried out the policy of the United States government. But documents, emails, and statements from Hunter's business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, belie Biden's claims. They implicate Joe Biden as deeply involved in the sketchy money-making ventures. The laptop shows he met with his son's business partners, on several occasions. Photographs confirm it. One smoking gun email lays out payments in a secret Chinese venture worth billions of dollars. Hunter was set to receive 20%, with another 10 held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's a statement where they go through the equity. Jim Biden's referenced as you know, 10% doesn't say Biden, it says Jim. And then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy 
is referencing Joe Biden. Um, it's, that's crystal clear to me because I lived it. I met with the former vice president in person multiple times. Bobolinsky was shocked that Joe Biden had the audacity to participate in such a brazen influence peddling scheme. He asked Joe Biden's brother, Jim Biden, about it during one of their secret meetings. And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel. Plausible deniability. What did it mean? Well, it meant that Joe Biden could deny any knowledge or involvement as long as there was no direct evidence to confirm his participation. In other words, he could lie with impunity if he and his co-conspirators were careful enough to keep his name off the records. And thus, the cryptic reference to the big guy and other code names like Celtic that were used to disguise Joe's financial windfall. Another email reinforced the secrecy of Joe Biden's participation. It read, quote, Don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid. End of quote. Well, of course, the Bidens were paranoid. They went to extraordinary lengths to avoid getting caught in their elaborate criminal enterprise. If the grand jury indicts Hunter Biden, as it most surely should, Joe Biden's Department of Justice will be tasked with overseeing the prosecution of his own son. This poses an obvious conflict of interest. But if the president himself is implicated by the evidence, it presents an even greater disqualifying conflict of interest. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley has long suggested the need for the naming of a special counsel to ensure impartiality. In a recent column, he wrote this, quote, The latest emails now link President Biden receiving money and benefits from related accounts, as well as key players. Even if one questions a direct conflict of interest, it's hard to deny the towering appearance of a conflict in the ongoing investigation. It may be time for a special counsel. Professor Turley is correct. Five years ago, Democrats and their media partners demanded that a special counsel be appointed to investigate the specious accusations of Russian collusion because it involved President Trump. For the same reason, another one should be appointed now because the current case directly involves both President Biden and his son. Before the presidential election of 2020, I penned a column arguing that the truth about the Biden family corruption would eventually emerge, and that even if elected, there is no way out for Joe Biden. The evidence is persuasive that he was all too willing to sacrifice integrity for power. His son was consumed by greed, and so was the father. Not only should a grand jury issue indictments, but a special counsel must be appointed to ensure impartiality and justice.
Joining me now to talk about it is Miranda Devine, a columnist for the New York Post, author of the best-selling book, Laptop from Hell, which is a terrific book. I recommend people get it and read it. She's also a Fox News contributor. Miranda, great to see you. Thanks for being with us. So, so let me jump right in. The, the grand jury uh, asked a witness to identify the big guy. So what do you think that tells us? Well, I think it's significant. It shows that the investigators there in Delaware are actually pulling on the threads uh, of Hunter Biden's business dealings. And when you do that, as I did when I was writing the book, uh, you at the end of it, you find Joe Biden. So uh, I think that's really very precarious for the president because it means that uh, they are focused on his involvement in these overseas business dealings, something which he said he knew nothing about. You know, it, it, it's pretty obvious that Hunter Biden uh, all but hung a for sale sign on his father's office door when he was vice president. Um, and, and, you know, it sure looks like, you know, he was selling out the country, arguably national security for profit. China, Ukraine, even Russia. Uh, in your judgment, how compromised is President Joe Biden? with respect to those countries? Look, the circumstantial evidence is overwhelming. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know what the discussions have been uh, in, in their decisions about policy to do with Ukraine and Russia and China. But you have to think that all these millions of dollars flowing into his family's coffers from those countries has to have an impact. And not only that, the fact that the president has denied any involvement in Hunter's business dealings when there is a, a huge amount of evidence on the laptop, but also from Tony Bobulinski's material that he has handed over to the FBI. And in his own words, Tony Bobulinski has told us that Joe Biden was involved. He was the big guy who was uh, set to get 10% of one of these Chinese deals. So that all leads you to think that at the very least, our adversaries overseas have material on Joe Biden that could potentially be used for blackmail. I mean, they can show, if they want to, that Joe Biden did not tell the truth to the American public uh, about his involvement in Hunter's business dealings. And, you know, we know that Joe Biden met with Hunter's business partners from overseas. He met them, uh, the Mexicans, Kazakhstanis, Ukrainians, Russians, Chinese. He met them in Beijing. He met Jonathan Lee, uh, who tipped Hunter into this very lucrative um, business, this private equity fund called BHR, which had $2.5 billion of funds under management in 2019. And um, we know that Joe Biden met him in Beijing when he brought Hunter to uh, China with him on Air Force Two. He shook his hand, uh, had a you know, short conversation with him in a private room. Uh, and after that, Joe Biden also wrote a reference for uh, Jonathan Lee's son to go to Brown and also for his daughter to go to Georgetown. Um, so these were the sorts of favours, um, little tidbits that Joe Biden was offering to Hunter Biden's business partners, whether it be photographs that were then put up on the Burisma website of, of Joe with Devin Archer, who'd just been 
um, put on the board of Burisma, uh, whether it be these recommendations. Also, Hunter would uh, regularly travel around the world with a big swag of autographed copies of his father's book to give to his prospective investors. So uh, this is this is no way that Joe Biden can make out that he was at arm's length or, knew, or ignorant of what his son Hunter was doing. They were very close. Um, Hunter used to get uh, from the vice president's office uh, copies of his father's schedule um, and, and even uh, the schedule made its way to, to Burisma, the, uh, that corrupt Ukrainian energy company. Yeah, I mean, they've talked about how, oh, we keep in touch. We're very close. We talk almost every day. I mean, it's, it's just unfathomable that this subject didn't come up. And as you say, the circumstantial evidence appears to be so overwhelming and persuasive um, we do know that, you know, Senator Ron Johnson, together with Chuck Grassley, uh, you know, took to the Senate floor and started laying out uh, some of the evidence recently. Um, and, and in fact, a sort of timeline that was laid out uh, with financial documents. Um, and one of the things they laid out here, I'm just reading from a New York Post story summarizing uh, what those two senators uh, gave the rest of the Senate. It, it, it's a timeline of how Joe Biden met with Hunter Biden's business partner, Devin Archer, uh, in the White House when he was VP after a you know 2014 revolution in Ukraine ousted the government there. Five days later, the vice president visits Ukraine. A day after that, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, uh, joined the board of the energy company Burisma. And Archer was meeting again in the White House with Joe Biden. I mean, it's sort of it's a jigsaw puzzle. But if you put the pieces together, what does it look like? That's right. It is a jigsaw puzzle. And I think the three pieces that I put together in my book were the laptop, which is not alone. Uh, It's not enough. uh, But once you add Tony Bobolinsky's material, and then you add the very good work uh, tracking down the money trail that uh, Johnson and Grassley did. Um, it fits together as a pretty compelling and rather damning indictment of the president uh, and and this influence peddling scheme that he and his family uh, conducted during his vice presidency and reaped millions of dollars as a result. Uh, and you know the timeline um, that uh, that Ron Johnson and Jack Grassley have put up is 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 quite frightening because uh, that. That is to do with Ukraine and um, the fact that when he was vice president, Joe Biden would fly into Ukraine and uh, tell, tell uh, you know, give these lofty speeches talking about um, how Ukraine had to back away from corruption while his son at the same time was sitting on the board of Burisma, this corrupt energy company, uh, earning a million dollars a year and there were low-level people in the State Department who, uh, or mid-level people who 
tried to raise the alarm. Uh, one went to Joe Biden personally in his office and sat down and said to him, look, it's a problem having Hunter on the Burisma board because, you know, there's chatter with the Russians. They're using it as propaganda against us and against Ukraine. Uh, and, and he also, when nothing came of that warning, he actually buttonholed uh, Joe Biden again on Air Force Two when they were flying into Ukraine. And uh, and what came of that was that uh, uh, Hunter obviously was told by his father to contact uh, this State Department guy, Amos Hochstein, and they went and had a sort of a private meeting at a coffee shop near the White House. Um, and Amos Hochstein actually testified to that Johnson Grassley inquiry and said that, uh, you know, he mentioned the Burisma uh, board meeting, but he did not recommend to Hunter Biden that he quit because he felt it wasn't his place. But clearly it was a problem. And uh, Anthony Blinken, who was, um, you know, the deputy to John Kerry, a Secretary of State at that time, um, you know, has said that he knew nothing about Hunter's Burisma dealings, but that really beggars belief. And we know that Hunter went to the State Department and met with Anthony Blinken, was ushered in a rear door to meet him. Uh, Anthony Blinken has testified that all they talked about was family matters with the Bidens because uh, Hunter's brother had recently died and he said that all we talked about was... Um, you know, how the family was coping. But in fact, this was all around about the time that Hunter was being put under pressure by other people at the State Department about that very unseemly Burisma connection. And as we know, he never quit Burisma until, uh, you know, the, the very waning days of uh, his father's campaign. So um, he had four years of uh, million-dollar payouts. Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. A guy who has no marketable skills to do anything, uh, but but is leveraging his father's uh, power and influence and peddling access to dear old dad. Uh, I'm talking with Miranda Devine, author of the terrific best-selling book, Laptop from Hell, columnist for the New York Post. In a New York Post editorial yesterday, Miranda, the question was posed, why is U.S. Attorney David Weiss's grand jury taking so long? Uh, Hunter's bank records on his dealings with, for example, the Bank of China, that got subpoenaed way back in May of 2019, almost three years ago, and the op-ed wondered, <clears throat> you know, is there going to be a, a deal struck for a Hunter Biden plea bargain that would then seal all of the evidence, even though that evidence might, you know, directly implicate Joe Biden. Does that concern you? Yes, it does. Uh, I mean, look, I think like the Durham investigation, COVID really held up this grand jury because they just couldn't subpoena witnesses. Um, and, and it certainly has gathered pace since last summer. Uh, there are witnesses streaming through there and um, apparently going to continue to do so. Um, so let's give them the benefit of the, of the doubt on the delay. Um, and look, there is a lot of material if they are looking at it properly right. uh, that they can they can find on um, you know Hunter and Jim Biden and uh, all all the other um, people. And and of course, if they if they actually have the the courage to go as far as Joe Biden, um, I mean, it, this is an endless story and a yeah. really momentous story. So, um, but yes, you're right. If they end up doing a deal as was rehearsed 
through um, the New York Times story, um, they, uh, you know, that story which buried in its 24th paragraph that, yes, the laptop's real and, yes, they'd authenticated the emails that we ran. Um, But that story was really uh, just running through Hunter's defence and from what it looks like, what they want to do is say, well, look, he's paid a million dollars in back taxes, so write that off. Uh, look, let's have him retroactively register as a foreign agent so that, that those FARA violations become just civil offences. Uh, and then uh, for some reason they claim, you might know better than me, but, I mean, I've talked to lawyers and they say this is ridiculous that um, you would write off the money laundering charge because that's usually never a standalone charge. It has to go with the Yeah, number. I mean, it, it, it would be like buying your freedom, right, purchasing your freedom from uh, yes. crimes committed, which – you know, would include everything from tax fraud to money laundering, uh, fair violations, failing to register as a foreign lobbyist, in which clearly he he was. Others have more recently been prosecuted for fair violations criminally. Um, you know, it's hard to then argue well, that Hunter should it should just be a civil penalty and and a tax penalty. And I would also throw in conspiracy to defraud. Um, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, bribery, um, you know, even racketeering. But, mm. I, you know, there are so many different potential crimes here. It's really a, a smorgasbord of crimes committed. Yes, it is. And, uh, I, I mean, if if there's will in the Delaware um, U.S. Attorney's Office, then uh, it, you would do all of those. But um, I'm not sure that there will be because um, there's a lot of pressure being applied uh, not so subtly by the White House. Um, You know, I I felt that Ron Klain's response to George Stephanopoulos on the weekend um, was uh, unwise, but perhaps it was deliberate for him to uh, not to just say, look, this is a subject of a of a you know an investigation let's let justice do its work um i can't comment instead ron Klain said the co- the president is confident that his son is innocent has done nothing wrong and uh, and and also his brother and this has nothing to do with the white house you know that is a, a message to merrick garland uh, saying uh you, you know my son's innocent you better make sure that he's shown to be innocent. Um, And then uh, having saying that Joe Biden has nothing to do with it is another um, instance of that. I mean, he's essentially sending a signal to Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice at large, don't prosecute my son. Mm -hmm. And don't even think about looking at me because I'm not involved. I mean, the Justice Department is run by the Attorney General, Merrick Garland. He's a political appointee. Joe Biden is his boss. Mm. And... You know, under federal rules, Garland's recusal from this is is not optional. It's mandatory. Uh, I, I mean, I have written before and said before there has to be a special counsel here, yeah. uh, and and yet there's been no movement to do that, which makes you suspicious. The fix is in, doesn't it? it yeah, it does. But also, the, you know, I mean. In a way, appointing a special counsel would 
would be good for Joe Biden because it allows them to kick the can further and further down the road past the midterms, um, you know, how long the special counsel can go. I mean, you know, how oh, yeah. a piece of string. Uh, and, and they can stretch it out. And, and ideally what, what, Biden, what, what the Bidens want is for um, this issue with Hunter in Delaware to stretch out uh, towards the end of his term Joe's term so that he can pardon his son without too much fallout. And I think, you know, if he does pardon his son, as you'd expect he would do, um, I don't think he would get a lot of criticism. He wouldn't get the criticism that he deserves for such a a terrible conflict of interest um, because there has been this narrative spun about Joe Biden um, for his entire career and um, and it, it's based in truth in that very real tragedy at the beginning of his uh, Senate career where his wife and his baby son were killed in a car crash and where Hunter and his brother Bo were badly injured as, as toddlers. Um, and so that he's used that uh, empathy, that sympathy from the public in every campaign since and that iconic photograph of him being sworn in at the bedside of his little boys uh, in the foreground there. Um, I mean, that's a a really heartstring tugging message and it, it, you know, you you would have to have a heart of stone not to be affected by it. So I think Joe Biden, and then he lost his son Bo, of course, to cancer in 2015, who was the apple of his eye. So the American public is primed to feel great sympathy for Joe Biden. And so I think that they would forgive him uh, pardoning his son, no matter what Hunter did, and especially since Hunter obviously had an addiction problem. Uh, So I I think that he's sort of, as usual, um, Joe Biden just seems to have nine lives and he skates away from trouble and the consequences of his own wrongdoing, his own pathological lies. He's done that all his life. He, yeah. he, he got to be president despite being a serial plagiarist and liar. Oh, yeah. Kick, kicked out of law school for plagiarism. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the lies are just, I mean, you could spend a week <laughs> recounting, you know, the prodigious lies of, of Joe Biden. It's, I mean, it's really quite stunning. Um, he can pardon his son. But, you know, that doesn't get him out of uh, legal hot water. And if the uh, Congress flips in November, come January, when the new Congress is sworn in, I mean, they've already said we plan to investigate this and not just Hunter Biden, but the the complicity of Joe Biden as well. I mean, Joe Biden would almost have to pardon himself along with his son. <laughs> Yeah, look, there is so much there. You know, for instance, um, there is some evidence, not a lot, but, uh, I mean, you only need a little bit, um, that Joe Biden was profiting uh, from Hunter Biden's business deals. And, I mean, that includes there are mingled finances, shared credit cards, uh, sorry, debit cards, shared bank accounts, um, and uh, some evidence that Hunter was paying for Joe's bills, his sort of, you know, household regular bills, like there's an AT&T bill of, um, you know, 200 some odd dollars a month. Um, And also upkeep maintenance renovations on one of Joe Biden's Delaware properties. And so uh, that's 
that's really, um, I guess, I mean, if you're a prosecutor, that's golden information and it's there on the laptop. And uh, there are witnesses, I mean, Eric Schwerin, who's one of um, Hunter's business partners, but was actually the president of his company, Rosemont Seneca, and really his factotum. I mean, he was the Mr. Fix-It for Hunter. He did his tax returns for him. He covered for him when he was AWOL on a drug bender. He answered his emails for him. Uh, He even uh, helped Joe Biden with his business affairs, organised his mortgage um, and was the conduit for money flowing from uh, various bank accounts to Joe Biden. So Eric Schwerin, um, if he is testifying to the grand jury, would be uh, a terrible witness for the Bidens because he yeah. knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the lies that the mainstream media seem to peddle are are really, I mean, it's one after another after another. You know, for mm. three years they claimed uh, without evidence that uh, Trump was a Russian asset who colluded with <laughs> Putin in the Kremlin, right? And it turns out that was... A hoax. It, w- it was all a phony story. Then they spent 17 months claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop was, you know, fake Russian disinformation. Um, now they admit that uh, it wasn't, that it, it's real, it's legitimate, it's been authenticated, as you at the New York Post had originally reported in October of 2020. But their latest lie is, and this was repeated by the recent Washington Post story, CNN has repeated that, oh, Joe Biden's not at all involved. Um, You know, sort of overlooking the testimony of Tony Tony Bobolinsky, the emails, the other documents that are, are so incriminating, photographs that confirm Joe Biden meetings with Hunter's business partners. I mean, how is it that the media can continue to peddle without conscience one lie after another after another, and they're still at it? Well, it's because, uh, you know, these media organisations have just become uh, party organs for the Democratic Party. Political activists. Political activists. And, uh, you know, they felt that Donald Trump was an existential threat. And so anything goes. Uh, You know, they just corrupted journalism in the most egregious and damaging ways. Uh, in order to get rid of Donald Trump. And, uh, you you know, they even said it. They said we don't have to be impartial anymore because it's Donald Trump, Um, you know, the the democratically elected president. And I think that was why it was so important for the Clinton campaign, the Democrats, to cook up this Russia collusion hoax and pretend that um, Donald Trump was only elected with the help of the Kremlin because that sort of gave moral justification to uh, the New York Times and Washington Post and so on, which won a Pulitzer for their coverage of that hoax. Um, to it, it justified their, uh, you know, dishonest treatment of uh, President Trump and and then their kid gloves treatment of Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, they were not being journalists. They were 
interfering with the election in that way. And they were aided and abetted by uh, also partisan activists um, within the intelligence community. And the perfect example of that is the that just scurrilous letter from who I call the Dirty 51, those 51 former high-ranking intelligence officials led by John Brennan, uh, former head of the CIA, um, Michael Hayden, James Clapper, Leon Panetta. Uh, Leon Panetta, you know, you'd think he would know better. Um, But these 51 people signed that letter declaring that the laptop and our stories at the New York Post, therefore, were Russian disinformation in their expert view, even though they had not looked at the laptop. They had not even asked to look at the laptop. They didn't Um, bother. They just came out and spun a lie, and that allowed Joe Biden during the presidential debates to deflect and say, oh, uh, you know, there's nothing to this. Take a look at that letter by the 51, you know, intelligence officials. And then, of course, that allowed the media to also use that lie uh, to suppress the story. And big tech, you know, did the same thing. Facebook and, and Twitter censoring the story, minimizing the story. Um, it's no surprise that the Media Research Center, uh, in a survey that was quite detailed, determined that almost 50 percent of Biden voters knew nothing about the laptop and the incriminating information of corruption contained therein. And 10 percent said, well, God, had I known, I wouldn't have voted for him. Uh, you know, talk about unduly influencing an election. That's what the media and big tech did, didn't they? Absolutely. I mean, that's a very telling statistic. And especially in an election that was, uh, you know, won by 45,000 votes in three battleground states, um, you know, affecting 10% of Biden voters uh, really puts your thumb on the scale. Yeah. So uh, that could have, you know, determined the outcome of the election. Um, And uh, I, I think that it was frightening, particularly. I mean, it wasn't so shocking for us back in October of 2020 to find that the New York Times and Washington Post, uh, CNN um, and so on were ignoring the story. Jeff Zucker was uh, recorded in one of his uh, news meetings that was leaked to Project Veritas uh, as saying the day our story came out, bombshell story, three weeks before the election, Ignore that story, he told his news executives. It's all old. You know, we've seen it before. It's all been debunked, uh, which wasn't true. And it just looks like, you know, more um, kind of crazy disinformation. So uh, CNN... wasn't such a surprise for us, but what was a surprise was when Facebook and Twitter censored the story and Twitter locked the New York Post account uh, for two weeks until just before the election. And, you know, the New York Post is the oldest newspaper in the country. It's the sixth largest by circulation. Uh, What right did these unaccountable oligopolies tech giants have to censor a newspaper, a mainstream publication like that before an election. Um, And then, you know, a few weeks later, they deplatformed a sitting president. I mean, that's just outrageous that they have more power than the leader of the free world. Yeah. I I have long written that uh, the antitrust division of the Department of Justice needs to investigate and, if necessary, break up big tech uh, companies like Facebook yeah. and and Twitter. Uh, you know, what they have done is just well beyond the pale, unconscionable. And they're really, they're, they're now influencing 
uh, presidential elections and God knows how many other uh, elections throughout the United States. Um, as I, my last question to you. So we just found out that Elon Musk of, of the founder of Tesla, who is the wealthiest man, and I think he's like 250 or $60 uh, billion dollars has bought about nine, slightly more than 9% of, of Twitter uh, stocks. So now he is the largest shareholder of Twitter. They had to give him a board seat. Um, <laughs> how gratified were, because he has criticized Twitter uh, tremendously over the last year about their censorship. Uh, how gratified were you to hear that, that you know, Musk may be able to rectify the ship uh, at at Twitter. I think it's wonderful. I mean, it's great news for free speech. And the fact is, he's not a conservative, um, but he's a, an advocate of free speech. I don't know if you'd call him a libertarian, or um, but he's he he sees how destructive this partisan uh, skewing of um, the debate in America is. And uh, so I think that's great news. Um, but also you seeing CNN uh, now with Jeff Zucker gone and new management. Yeah. Um, John Malone, who, John you know, Malone. who is, yeah. you know, the largest shareholder uh, of the new uh, company that takes over CNN and said, you know, we need to get real journalists back at CNN. And yeah. you know, I was heartened to see that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to swing to have, you know, kind of Republican corruption or, or right-wing corruption of these uh, platforms. That's not healthy either. You just want proper journalism uh, where, you know, it doesn't matter, but no fear, no favour, uh, both sides are equally under scrutiny. Um, you know, like... Uh, Donald Trump got the most ferocious scrutiny from the media in his four years. Um, I have no problem with that if the same ferocious scrutiny is applied to the other side, but it wasn't. That is what is so destructive. So, um, you, you know, I, I think if CNN become, goes back into the middle and Twitter becomes uh, less censorious of conservatives and allows more free speech... Um, you know, you could really solve a lot of problems. The next thing you need to do is New York Times. New York Times has been hijacked by the far-left radical uh, social revolutionaries. I mean, the 1619 Project is one example of that. But, you know, also uh, the crazy stuff on gender, um, oh, you know, yeah. gender bending. And, uh, and, and the problem is the tail is wagging the dog. You have politicians, you have corporate people, you have, um, you know, board members, you have investors. They all are bending themselves to uh, appease the woke because they know that they will be attacked by the media if they go against the woke philosophy and they will be lauded and sanctified by the media if they're for it. And that means you'll get glowing profiles in the New York Times magazine. Uh, if you don't, you'll be attacked with the best journalists that they can find, uh, you know, 6,000-word articles just tearing you apart and destroying your life. Um, that's that's where we've got. And in journalism, the fourth estate, I think, is the the most corrosive, the corruption of the fourth estate is the most corrosive element uh, in American society today. Yeah. I, you know, I read a lot of newspapers every day, including the New York Times, because I like to start every day with a laugh 
I need humor in my life. So I read uh, the New York Times. But you, to use your term, are a proper journalist, Miranda Devine, columnist for the New York Post. Be sure to pick up her best-selling book, Laptop from Hell. It's really outstanding. goes into enormous detail about uh, what we've been speaking about today. Miranda, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Greg. Great to be with you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.